He takes that dick in. <laughs> I know what I said. <laughs> so Episode sorry. 69. I know what I said. TNMP, the Nerdy Misfit Podcast, with your host, with your host, Connor O'Neill and Matthew Hughes. What is up, fellow misfits? And Matthew, hello, hello, hello. Welcome happy back. Wednesday or and happy episode sixty nine. That's true. It's episode sixty nine. Last Voice. episode. Till the new season. Till the new season, starting with episode seventy next week. So we don't take breaks. We don't take breaks. We don't. Here. Haven't done it in sixty nine weeks. That is true. Anyways, how's it going today, Connor? It's going pretty good. It's a chill day. Very chill. How about you, Matthew? You came into my house sweating, so I'm assuming it's a little. Oh, less listen, chill for you. listen. It's been a rough, not a rough time, but it, it's been a busy. long weekend. Busy, busy day. weekend, busy day. It's new projects on the go. Um, working with another company to do another safety video. This one is to do slip trips and fall hazards for a school board, a few hours away. Um, so I've been doing that. Um, been working on another. Uh, just a small another writing passion project. We'll see how long this one lasts. We'll see how it goes. <coughs> to give you context, I always start pro- writing projects and I never finish them. Um, so as long as I get this, the kick of sometimes it, they're cool ideas. Exactly, and the one I'm doing right now um, is so. For those who don't know, I started a few new job a few weeks ago. Work at a lo- local coffee shop now. Not one, not a fancy big. Big coffee branch, just a little tiny little one, mom and pa kind of shop. Um, beautiful coffee shop. Anyways, I was sitting there and I watched this old man come in, grabs a cup of coffee. Um, just like a black cup of coffee, gets it for here. He sits down, and about ten to fifteen minutes later, a younger gentleman, probably a little around our age, a little bit older maybe, comes in, gets a black coffee as well, and sits down across from this man. Yeah. And I'm like slightly eavesdropping, but not really. Um, they're shoot, they're having a good time. <laughs> Midst the eavesdropping, but not really. Not really. You know, I like overheard thing. They're they're happy to see each other. It's been a while, right? And I'm working with my coworker, and I get creative at the most randomest times, you know. And I'm seeing something I'm like, yo, this would be great. I'm so sure that's the same for a lot of people, though. It like, is, just yeah. Random things give them inspiration. Exactly. You know, and a lot. Ninety nine percent of the time, when it comes to any popular writing, you write what you know. There's inspiration for every character someone's written. They've met that character. They, it's inspired by someone. Yeah. So I watched this whole interaction happen, and I turned to my coworker. I was like, I'll be right back. I just need to go on my phone. And I sit there for like four minutes, and I spill out like almost a full Word document, just a single page, based on this interaction of this guy named Samuel comes in, sits at the coffee shop, and waits for his son to come in, who he hasn't seen in 11 years. And since then, I've now written about eight pages now which is that's a lot for me yeah. in the pan, span of the last few days. And what the concept is, is you're going to be following this character named Samuel. It's a ticking time bomb type novel in the sense that there's a countdown happening. Okay. But it's nonlinear. So the first chapter is 72 days. Second chapter is 79 days. Third chapter is 42 days. I see. The fourth chapter is five days. Fifth chapter, just bouncing around. And basically the concept of what I'm going for is Samuel, um, the opening line of the book right now is just in italicized, you only have a few months left. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be basically a ticking time of him spending the last like 100 days or so. And you're bouncing around to see how he's doing it. And seeing like the... spending his last, yeah. Yeah. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but did you not already write a short story involving a coffee shop? So that one, I know what you're thinking, okay? And that one is on the back burner. But but, but I am correct. You are correct, okay. yeah. Because that was when I was in. You write what you know. That yeah. was during my but time I just of working. Mean, like, you have another story on the go that also but just heavily takes involves place, yeah. a coffee shop. So that, that particular thing that I wrote a couple of days ago, that is a single chapter. The rest of the chapters don't take place in the coffee shop. I see, okay. But the idea you're talking about is the idea of seven stories happening in a coffee shop yes yeah that one is heavily influenced by a coffee shop it's all about the different types of people that come into a coffee correct yeah which i've gotten permission to shoot a trailer for that coffee shop is like the center of that the coffee shop is a character itself the coffee shop for this is just a meeting point yeah you just happen to get it's a location yeah yeah that you Um, got inspired wrote it exactly there might be a coffee shop maybe once or twice, but it's not. Yeah, it's not a main part of the story. It's just what inspired the story. Exactly. Gotcha. Um, so I've written six 
things about that. And the way I look at it too is basically you're going to be following him for the last 100 days and some chapter is going to be long, yep. some chapter is going to be small, right? Because obviously when you're dealing with the concept of not, like you know you're running out of time, some days you're going to want to do things, some days you're not going to, mm-hmm. right? And I like to, I want to try and reflect that in the chapters of smaller chapters versus larger chapters. And I also don't want too many chapters to be dialogue heavy because obviously him meeting with the son, that's dialogue heavy. Yep. You know, but other chapters, I don't want to, I just don't want to be reading and writing dialogue the entire time. Right. Then it just feels like script writing. Exactly. And I don't want to do that. I did that already a few months ago and I've already done a lot of poetry. I want, this is good for me because it's a different outlook on writing and it doesn't take too much. doesn't stress me out or anything. Oh, okay. Yeah. We'll see so how far it goes. We'll see how far it goes. Check back in a couple weeks. We'll see. Um, so how many things do you have on the go then? For on personal the go, projects? I mean, yeah. Personal projects or paid projects? Personal. Okay. So this is obviously one of them. Um, the other one we just talked about. That one. Um, the poetry book that I'm hoping to... Fantasy book? The fantasy book, which I haven't touched in like a year. I know, but it's there. Um, it's there. It's I have the, the notes. It's on the shelf. It's in the drive. <laughs> yeah. um, the coffee shop based one. Of course. Um, and then I have my daily project which i do every day which um for those who don't know is the since i turned 26 back in april um every day i've recorded a video of myself saying like good morning or good afternoon hey matt how's or it going what he's doing and then clip i clip it a snippet it of what's going on throughout anything. every single day sometimes it's his cat <clears throat> sometimes it's at work sometimes it's at the podcast sometimes exactly. it's at the movies exactly and it's it's really interesting for me because what i've done is like those spiels that i do of like good morning matt some of them are like 10 seconds some of them are almost a minute and I've gotten a couple of my other friends, like they like that I'm doing this. So like when I'm with them, they'll start taking videos of it too oh, and sending okay. them to me. So I'm seeing my life from other people's perspectives too now that I'm kind of tossing in. Weird. It's very weird. But the project itself right now, um, not including this week. So I start every week. I split it by weeks. Yep. Um, and I'm, as of today, when we're recording, this is the end of week 18. So I've been doing this for 18 weeks now. And after tonight, the project will be sitting at about one hour and 55 minutes or so. So that's almost two hours of my life in the last 18 weeks recorded. And what I've done is of all those clips I recorded, I take a single second out of them as well. So I have like literally like my life flashes before my eyes in a one second thing. And that's sitting at about 15 minutes. So it's been really interesting to see the reflection of my life in the last 18 weeks and as you know, Connor, and some people know that listen to the podcast, it has not been just an all good 18 weeks. Yeah, there's been ups um, and downs. Those who know, like my grandma passed away within the last 18 weeks. So I went to her funeral. I visited her at hospice and stuff. I've had a couple other funerals. But then I've also did a wedding gig. I was a wedding videographer. And I went to Waterloo and I saw Hades Town and Kinky Boots. And honestly, I've just been doing, I've been doing what I can. You know, and it's really, for Connor knows this, obviously, because Connor's one of my best friends, and obviously we do a podcast. He knows that I'm always constantly thinking about what's next. And um, this project now is really getting me to focus on living in the moment of reflecting what life has been recently and not so worried about what's going to happen next. Yeah, that's fair. Because you know me, I'm like, hey, it's like, I should, oh, I was like, oh, I should probably go back to school again. I should be doing this. I should be doing that. And you know how I'm always focusing on what's next. Ping-ponging. Ping-ponging constantly between a bajillion different ideas. Um, but this project's really getting me to focus. Yeah. I was uh, on now. telling you last week how impressed I was. Because I don't think I could even do it for a week. It's hard. Remember Honestly, to some days it's hard. But... It'll be very long at the end. <laughs> about six hours by the to get the full cut. About six hours, but it's fun though because there's certain things that I like. I remember, but I don't think about. Like I went to Comic Con this year briefly for like an hour, just randomly. It was like spur of the moment. I was with one of my good friends, and she's like, "Let's go to Comic Con." I was like, "Okay, yeah, exactly." You know, I went. To, I tried my first roller coaster this. I year. guess that'll be interesting to see too. Like at the end of the year, you don't remember. No one remembers everything. Every single here. moment. But, but maybe like, you'll see and it'll be like, oh, yeah, I did that. Or I did exactly. That'd be cool. And like even what I do my best, there's two things I like to do every week. But I like I have I've only missed one week of doing one of these things. But what I've been doing is those who know I have a little floof at home. I'm a cat. Well, Bella. Yep. And what feeds I that every week I feed it every <laughs> week. I um I take a video of her once a week. So when I look at this project in a year from now, I can see my cat grow. 
And then another thing too is randomly I'll be in the car just jamming out to some random song and I'll just record myself just jamming out to this random song once a week. That's the cringe project. That is the cringe project. So when I look <laughs> back, I can see 52 songs that are just my life. Yeah. Or what you were into. What was into each week. And I'm very... I think we're, we're very similar where yeah. we get hooked on one or two songs and, and it's on that's all you listen to. All week. Yeah. yeah. And so like, you'll be like, oh yeah, that was that week. And then you get back into some, that song. Exactly. That's what I'm worried about. It's just 52 of the hot hits from Matt's life is age 26 but that's cool because then you can make maybe you make a spotify playlist of that's what i mean this year's Matt my 26th year yeah. yeah and like i know some of them i remember it's like red solo cup mr Great brightside's song. on it yeah there was a rock cover of love story i was listening to at one point all right um there's an ed sheeran song on there that's nothing i went to an ed sheeran concert oh yeah that's true you went to an ed yeah. sheeran concert but it's it's crazy i'm at i'm at a third way done this project Taylor Swift next year potentially <laughs> i have right. a potential to go see her in ireland Oh, okay. You just have to yeah. go to Ireland yeah. to see her. I see. We'll see how that goes. As if determined. Taylor Swift tickets weren't already expensive enough. <laughs> got to add on the price to go to Europe. Got to do what you got to do. But um, anyways, yeah. So enough on. about uh, so, rambling. Uh, well, I was going to say, I mean, some of that some of that was still pretty somber and keeping on the somber kind of yes. note here. We have a passing. Two people. Two people that passed. One yeah. of them heavily involved in our yeah. community, and I'm sure a lot of people are a fan or mm-hmm. have seen the work. Yeah. And that's of the original Harley Quinn voice actress, which is Arlene Sorkin. Mm-hmm. And if you guys did not know, this is the first person to ever portray this character, and this is the first person ever to be Harley Quinn because Harley Quinn is a... Batman the Animated Series original original character. Yep. So that's, you know, it's rough news. I saw Mark Hamill tweet about it, post it on his Instagram and whatnot. And if you didn't have, if you somehow don't know, Mark Hamill is also heavily involved in the Batman the Animated Series. What? Yeah, he's actually the Joker. Whoa, I had no idea. He's the Joker. He's the Joker, baby. <laughs> Which is like completely uh Different than a lot of uh, the character that people know Mark Hamill has. Luke Skywalker. A hero. <laughs> Not to be confused when he did the trickster in the 90s. But yeah, so Anyways. passed away 67. Um, obviously, Harley Quinn is insanely popular in terms of, I mean, you look at Suicide Squad. There's multiple Suicide Squad live action movies, and I don't think multiple happen if not for having Harley Quinn. I agree. Right? So... Definitely a significant character, a significantly popular character now since her birth. Yeah, in the 90s. So, I mean, definitely a big loss for the comic community, DC. I mean, not much else to say. No. Thoughts go out with two. She has a very unique voice. Like, you know her voice if you were to hear it. Yep. Um, And then, like, it's, it's sad, right? It's never, you know, it's a death, right? No, you're right. Exactly. But then, uh, if you want to go on to our second one. Yeah, this one's less nerd. Most nerds won't. I guess know it is a form of nerdy, but. Exactly. Uh, it's the one and only Bob Barker. He uh, hosted The Price is Right for, I believe, 36 years or so. Um, and I'll be honest, when I found out he passed away, um, I went and watched How I Met Your Mother, uh, season two, uh, the episode. When Barney goes onto the Price is Right and meets Bob Barker. Ah, uh, yes, yes. Because one, because it's Cause one of my favorites. Because he thought was his dad. Exactly. Yeah. And it's one of my, I really enjoy that episode. Um, so I was like, you know what? It's an excuse to watch this episode. Um, so yeah, rest in peace, both of them. But speaking, going back to the voice actress that played Harley Quinn. She actually uh, was Harley Quinn, similar to Craig Conroy for Batman and... Uh, Kevin Conroy, yeah, and then Kevin Mark Conroy, Hamill. Sorry. They were the original the- trio. But they were played those roles for through decades. Yeah, her not so much. She she was in and out of it. But she was in the like the big Arkham games. The first one. The first one. Tara Strong, I believe, took over for Arkham After City. That. Yeah. But you know, it's nice to see that those iconic voices. Stay with the, you. Exactly. The Conroy, you're never gonna forget. Conroy, you never forget. Mark Hamill's Joker, you're never gonna forget. And her voice of Harley Quinn, you're never gonna forget. It's true. There's certain characters that will forever be those voices in I my head. I think the head. funny thing for Mark Hamill, though, is he's played a couple villains in 
in both live action and correct, and, yeah, and voice acting. But you, whenever he does a villain, y- you, you you always hear a bit of the Joker. In you it. do, I yeah. Like you, I don't know how many people watch subbed animated to dubbed or even any of the animated shows for that matter by DC or Marvel. Mm-hmm. But you can always pick out voice actors, especially English, our native language. So yep. it's just easier to pick out people. But there are just some voice actors where I'm not going to say they're not doing a good job, but they're just their voice. You just know. Uh, what's Bryce's last name? You know exactly who I'm talking about. Like the voice of Aaron Yeager, oh, who is like, like the main protagonist of everything. Yeah, I think he does SAO as well. Is SAO. I think he did full... Uh, Full metal, no, not full metal. Sorry, uh, Fate Stay United Limited Blade Works. Oh uh, yeah. Um, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you, but he, you recognize that's more so because he's like everything. But he doesn't change his voice, is what you're saying. No, exactly. You it's like Johnny Young Bosch. He changes his voice a, a little, little bit. Yeah, you. You but can tell you can when mostly it's mostly jo- tell. You can tell when it's Johnny Young Bosch in certain phrases, because yeah. he does change his voice a bit. But sometimes you can just tell it's him, like when he like gets more amped up. Yep. It just comes out where you're like, okay, that's Johnny Young Bosch. But yeah, he uh, who's that? That's a uh, that's Bryce Paffenbrook. So and he does like the MC, a lot of MCs. Yeah, Miliotis. Oh yeah, um, Miliotis. Sao, Blue Exorcist, Attack on Titan. Uh, full yeah, Fate's Unlimited Blade Works. He was in Pokemon Origins. Yeah, so he's all over the place. He's like your main character. Same Christopher Sabat, very iconic voice. Yep. You notice it. Um, there's one more, not for Japanese anime. He does Japanese animation as well. I'm trying to remember what his name is. He did, uh, he does a lot of the animated Wolverine voice. Um, um there's a, definitely a few, you always pick them up, but some just have that iconic voice. Mm. Steve Bloom. Steve Bloom. Yeah, that makes sense. His voice is very distinct as well. You did Zeb. Zeb. But his is like that nice raspy voice, which works perfect. Yeah. Anyone with a unique voice, too, stands up. But Mark Hamill, it's more like his laugh. He's like, whenever he does a sinister laugh, you can tell the Joker is where he perfected his sinister laugh. But in all of his other characters, whenever he has to do a sinister laugh, it always kind of just carries a lot. Um, a big example is Avatar The Last Airbender. Mm-hmm. Mark Hamill is the Fire Lord. And you can totally tell it's like, like it's you you recognize the voice where you're like that sounds so familiar but once the fire lord starts going a little crazy and you're laughing like, oh, you're yep, like there it is oh that's mark hamill exactly but anyways so, anyways, what, we, so what we wanted to talk about let's jump back to this and that is uh, a few different things mostly with the evolution of characters in comics per se but to start off with particular characters that didn't start in comics yeah because we wanted to hint on the fact like hit hard on the fact that Harley Quinn started as an original character in the animated series. Just a one-off love interest. Off. And she went, yeah, everyone loved the character. Yeah, exactly. So we thought, well, maybe let's talk about some characters yeah. that aren't originally from comics that are exactly. big comic characters. And there's yeah, there's a lot of like minor characters, there's a good obviously. Handful. Like John Diggle in Arrow, he was original character for that. Then he Which went p- into the comic Fan favorite character. Exactly. To be fair, a lot of people thought... He was Jon Stewart. Yeah. They hinted at it. They, they basically that confirmed in another it. universe. No, they hinted in the main universe. But not that he was Johnson, that he was a, could be a lantern. He was given a box that had a green light in it that no. understood willpower, okay? That was a huge plot point after you stopped watching. <laughs> but I'm just saying. He, yeah. It's it, but at the same time he's not John Stewart. It's just no. that they really wanted to hammer home like, "Oh yeah. Okay. Here could, you be, go. could be. Could be. Could be." Um, but yeah, so that's obviously a big one, but we're going to mostly stick to animation. I guess these are all animation ones, actually. Um, most of them are DC and let us know if you learned something because we definitely learn, I would say one of the ones we're going to talk about, yeah, we'll save that one for last is news to me. I would yeah. Say. I didn't know when that we either. were looking into it. Yeah. So. so we'll start off with, uh, the only Marvel one. Cause this is one of my favorite characters. It's just hands down. One of my favorite characters and that is X 23. Matt loves mutants. Love mutants. And like Ms. Marvel and <laughs> ah, stop <laughs> shut up 
Anyways, Matt's a big mutant fan. Anyways, so. I'm a big mutant fan. And there was a TV show in the mid-2000s called X-Men Evolution. Oh. And I don't know why I know this exact. I'm 95% sure. It's season three, either episode 11 or episode 12, um, where this like weird character shows up and puts all these like devices on all the different mutants' heads at the, the Institute and knocks yep. them all out. And then Wolverine wasn't there, and he comes back, and he smells his own DNA, and he sees, like, claw marks. He's like, what the heck? This makes no sense. And then he goes to the Weapon X facility, and he finds out that they've been experimenting trying to replicate Wolverine again. They would never. They would never do the perfect Weapon X weapon, whatever. Um, So that character was became X-23 because it was, like, the, the embryo 23. It was one of the first females, and she had the two claws in her hand and then one claw in her foot. Which, shocker. Wolverine, hella popular character, and they made basically another Wolverine that ended up being just as not just, as popular, but not as pretty popular, dang but popular. Cool. People liked the character. Yeah, I mean a claw coming out of your foot. Like we got to see her in live, live action, action as well, which in Old Man Logan. Great casting. Yeah, I thought that was really well done. I thought great movie. Great movie. Um, but yeah, so she started on that, and then she had a one shot. Um, a couple years later, it was just like a one shot X twenty three issue, and then um, she became more popular and. Um, a lot of people actually not necessarily resonated with her, but a lot of people found her relatable because she was suffering with a lot of like mental health issues during the comics and stuff like that of not really feeling accepting because she wasn't her own person, didn't have parents. She was just a clone of someone that everyone either loved or hated. Yep. And it was like relatable for a lot of readers. And then eventually she got her own run. I think it lasted about 25 issues. And then she ended up donning the title of Wolverine for a little bit too wearing the traditional yellow and blue and yep. like you said she had a live action appearance and she's a big character now she's yeah. a pretty popular character and wolverine always took her in as like a daughter kind of thing like that which we see a little bit in logan but more so in the comics yeah, takes takes under his wing exactly um, he knows how it is exactly <laughs> if there's anyone <laughs> if anyone understands he He's does him. uh so yeah so there's another one which one do you want to talk about next this one or that one yeah you can just keep going down all right um, so another big one, which is another one of my fan favorites. Yep. Surprise, surprise. Batman Beyond. Yeah, I don't know how this character could not be successful, though. Exactly. I mean, what Neo a cool, Gotham. Ba- cool Batman suit, futuristic Batman flying around. Flying around. I thought Batman Beyond when I was a kid watching the cartoon Epic. was the coolest character ever. Love, I love the red and black. That right. was probably some of my always going to be my favorite Batman costumes is like either like Flashpoint or like Earth 2, like the red and black. Have you ever played the Arkham games where you can use the skin? At- I did not know that was a thing. Yeah, and I want to say it was City. Okay. But you could, there was both a, in that, in the City art style, a kind of Batman Beyond looking costume. That's awesome. But there was also the animated nice. style. Heck yeah. Where you could just go around and well, do you remember people was- Batman Beyond. You remember how excited I was when it got released for that was going to be a character in the Injustice mobile game when we were obsessed with it? Oh yeah, that's true. Like, that was a big thing. I freaking love that. Um, but, yeah, so obviously Batman Beyond starred in the pilot episode. His, I think he had his own. Obviously, he had his own shows, three seasons. But I think they either did a futuristic a episode. Too. Great show, honestly. And I love the story of, like. And the carrying over of characters from. It really was a sequel quotations to the animated series yeah. of Batman, which was amazing. I you We don't get shows in we my don't. opinion, we don't get animated shows like that anymore. No, gosh, no. It's the sequel. It feels Very, like... The only one I could think of would be Legend of Korra. Yeah, that's probably the closest one. Because a lot of time it just feels like bait, where you're like, no, you're not really taking what the original was. You're just... Exactly. You're just using the original's you're name... You're using to, the title. ...to get yeah, people bait, to watch or sales bait, yeah. and et cetera. But that one was... it's It was definitely still unique in its own thing. But then it kept all of the lore of the exactly. Batman animated series and brought it in. That's why Batman Return of the Joker, the animated film, is in my top five. Oh, it's a great film. Love the concept of that, how the Joker returns randomly. The twists and turns, too. It's Fantastic. Great. And then even like, yeah, like the, and then he went on to be. Well, even the finale, own. too, with the, Oof. to be fair, now looking back, very predictable. As yeah. a kid, you're not thinking about it as much. Some of the reveals that end up happening. But when you look back. You're like, yeah, no, that's that was pretty obvious. Pretty but obvious, still, but it was a good story yeah, still, as still a kid good. especially. The animation style, in my opinion, still kind of, it's a nostalgic, I but watched it's, it's good. Not super recently, but a while back. And yeah, it was still 
clean. I mean, Little, same with Batman the Animated Series, though. Yeah, good, solid animation. It just goes, when the effort goes in, it holds up. Exactly. It reminds me a lot of, like, Studio Ghibli films, where you watch it, and sometimes you're just like, when did this come out? <laughs> like, you- oh, early early to late, uh, t- sorry, like, late 90s, early Some 2000s. Early 2000, yeah, you're just... Like, wow. And you're just blown away by how beautiful yeah. and how well done it. Like, it, it, it stands up to now. Modern, modern animation. animation. It's, it's just, insane. You're just so blown away. And I feel like that some of those older cartoons like the Batman animated series, Justice League of America, like they just hold up. Any of the 90s really, like the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles one oh, yep, holds yeah, up. True. They hold up good. Um, even the Spider-Man animated series, the X-Men one, like... I think uh, maybe it's special for us because we're like comic book nerds. Some of the CGs really rough in in them. Some of them, yeah. Uh, Don't get, well, no, <laughs> whenever, I watch, no. whenever I watch the Spider Man, because oh, I thought you were gonna talk about the Silver Surfer episodes oh, we watched. Yeah, that was pretty bad, actually. <laughs> you say that, but I think of the Iron Man, the one Iron Man transformation when he turns it when Tony turns into Iron Man. That's pretty rough CG wise. Yeah. Um, Spider Man swinging through New York. Little I never bad. realized. I didn't realize how bad it was until I started watching anime. And obviously if you're an anime watcher and you have eyeballs, you'll notice CGI being absolutely horrendous. You want to see a bad example, just watch the seven deadly sin movies. But even when CG's done well, it still stands out. There are ways I'm not going to say it instantly makes a series bad. I'm not like that, but there are times where CG is used when it probably doesn't need to be used and it just takes you out of it a bit. I agree. And watching anime has just helped me notice things and obviously this is a 90 1994 i'm pretty sure is yeah the around starting there. of that amazing of that spider-man show mm-hmm. but man <laughs> the the angles of like the city skyline of new york is bad is definitely not pretty and some of the vehicle stuff but that being said those were they just they hold up because they just i mean obviously we're biased. There's there is uh, some nostalgia, maybe helping uh, push it across the finish line in some cases. But let us know if you watch those shows or if you haven't, check them out and let us know if it's bad or not. That's true. We'd be curious if you guys' opinion. Are we just are we old are and just living in the glory days? On for the nostalgia for for the shows because honestly, I think I do think they still hold up. In my opinion, I think so too. And it's just, this is another thing too, is I've tried to watch some of the newer, like animated shows of superhero stuff. I the stories just aren't that okay, good yeah, these days. The, they do a lot of, you can tell, obviously it's for kids, right? Like yeah. You can tell. But do people think kids got dumber or something? Because literally you look though, back at some of them and they were not, they didn't hold back as no, much. No, gosh, no. But I didn't mind the Drake Bell uh, hmm. Spider-Man. I didn't think it was too bad of a series. It had good moments. Um, some for of, sure. some of the, some of them were pretty bad. Some episodes were not as good as others. Mm-hmm. I really liked the episodes with Deadpool. Whenever Deadpool yeah. showed up, they were pretty funny. I'm not gonna lie, they had me. That's what I mean. Like it had has... me cracked up, and it's even funnier because Deadpool can't swear or anything. And yeah, it's they still did a good job. They still did it in a good way. Yeah, but otherwise, like I don't know. Obviously, I guess Young Justice is doing pretty well as far as I know. I haven't seen the newest season. I can't remember why they canceled Young Justice, but Young Justice was unreal. They returned it though, like season yeah, yeah, three yeah. and season yeah, four. Yeah. They, they returned it, but base. I mean, they re- it had two really, really solid seasons, mm-hmm. and I haven't looked into why. But they, I did before, but then I can't remember. I think it was just a really, really dumb reason that they canceled it, and it was such a good show in comparison to a lot of other animated shows. Cause it was definitely, you can tell it was heavily anime inspired in terms of it wasn't as babied. It was a show that did have a lot more overarching story going on yeah. on top of the episodic nature. That's what I feel like is a really sweet spot for cartoons where yet like avatar, the last airbender has a lot of episodic episodes, but at the same time, a story is still progressing. Yeah, exactly. And An overarching story. Yeah. And that's very similar to how they were handling a lot of uh, the Young Justice stuff, which I thought was really well done. I agree. Not that really I've actually done. seen it. I've seen clips and everything, but I have i don't know where we can even watch it now. It's Originally, it was on Netflix, I yeah, think. Yeah, but um, speaking of Young Justice, this one is kind of a 50-50 answer the more I looked into it. And that is on Young Justice, you had um, Aqualad show up mm-hmm. in the first episode. And this one is like a gray area. 
Is it this specific version of this Aqualad? specific yeah. version of Aqualad, who is the son of Black Manta? <laughs> and the thing why it's kind of confusing is that it was animated, voiced, but the episode wasn't out yet. Mm. So he technically appeared first in the comics, mm. and then I can the almost ep- say like it's, it feels like it's kind of like planned release to be very similar. Yeah, at the same time. Yeah, but his yeah to establish him as a character, like oh he's in comics, but here's him in media. Yeah, here's actually where he kind of started. In, uh, yeah. Like yeah, like show. Yeah. Um, but the big one that we've been holding off until the end, which is th- confusing to me. Like, well, it makes sense now that we looked yeah. into it, but outside of context, you're like, what do you mean? How did this one get created for this show? And it's a Batman animated series again, which, to be fair, few other characters that got introduced to that series, uh, Renee Montoya, who becomes the question, she start, started as just a, a cop, I think, in the Batman animated series, and then the question stuff later. Um, but the big one that we're talking about is Nora Freeze, the wife of Mr. Freeze. Which seems like a very random character to pick out in terms of some of the bigger ones. ones we've picked out. But the fun fact <laughs> that we learned was Mr. Freeze basically had zero story. Correct. To this point. He was literally called Mr. Zero for a while in the comics when he first Slowly got introduced. Slowly worked his way to Mr. Freeze and then yeah. didn't become Victor Freeze until, until Batman. Batman the animated series gave him story. Victories was also born <laughs> in the in animated, animated series. series. So that that was a really fun fact for us, me and both Matt and I to learn because we didn't know, we didn't realize that. It's one of the things when you have such a big rogues gallery like that, you just assume that these characters well, are such an iconic villain that you well, for us that yeah. we think is an iconic villain. What's We've so crazy because to us we think he'd be like an almost an A-list Batman villain. Almost. Like Almost. I said, like an yeah, A minus B plus like kind of B. thing. He's definitely a B, but. But you know what I mean? Like, he's still, like, amazing. He's a known character. Yeah. You know who Mr. Freeze is. Exactly. And thinking that, like, if we were born in, like, the 80s, we'd think he'd be, like, a nobody. He'd be, like, a D list. Yeah. Which is just crazy to me. Yeah. So. The evolution. Essentially, he. Be, which is how we led into wanting to talk about some of the evolution as well, which we'll get into after. But that just goes to show you cold villain. Everyone has to have a cold villain. Of course. And that's who he was. But slowly worked in. And then you have the animated series, which obviously you dive into just you can't have the same villain every episode. Yeah. So he was they, only in a couple episodes, though. Right. But they fleshed him out. Yeah. Is what I mean. Because you can't have the Joker show up every episode. You can't have X Bane show up every episode. Right. Yeah. I so, mean, the first episode of Batman animated series was Man Bat. Great character. And. <laughs> He's an interesting one. What a great villain for Batman. Man, man, man. man. But yeah, it's just cool that to see they just flushed out. They found a character yeah. in the rogues gallery and flushed him out more. Gave him an actual backstory. Gave him an animated movie gave too. Gave him a reason to for fans to relate to or care about. Yeah. See where he's coming from. In my opinion, he is one of the bigger villains of Marvel and DC that you almost not sympathize with, but you understand him. Yeah, they did a good job. Like, if you look at a lot of the ba- the Batman villains, you're like Bane, the Riddler, A few Joker. of them are just a little too off the rocker to relate yeah. to in any way. Where... Mr. Freeze, you're like, I can, I don't agree with what you're doing, but I understand that it's for love. Yeah, to, you see where you're coming from. Yeah. They try and tug at the heartstrings. Exactly. But Mr. Freeze, who started in 1959, was donning a yellow and purple suit. As you'd expect for any cold villain. Of course. Yellow and purple. Yellow and purple. My favorite colors when I think of cold. Yep. Um, but that's just to show you one example of evolution over time. And we figured since we got a little bit more time, we're going to talk about some of the big ones, mostly just sticking with DC. Um, but obviously the big one, I mean, if you look at the 1966 Batman show with Adam West holding the bar, the bomb, yeah, the shark repellent. This is more for TV slash movies, but... Just the way that Batman as a character was handled. Obviously, in comics, he's a hero. And he's... I mean, you look at old comics that all of them are just so very... Colorful. Basic, too. You know, like, simplistic. Yeah. You want some comedy, a little bit of, you know, gag, and mm-hmm. and then a little bit of uh, saving the day. Yeah. And so Adam West's Batman was a little bit of all that, where, okay, yeah, save the day, but not without a good amount yeah. of gag comedy correct adam west burt ward the dynamic duo 
and you just kind of slowly work your way through some of the live action handling of Batman and yeah. you get to where we are now with recently the Robert Pattinson yeah. of Batman, which obviously was very in, I mean, in Batman sense, just Bat- the tone was yeah. dark. Well, even looking at like the actual Dark Knight film and you compare well, that yeah. to the 60s, you're like, this is two different well, the, characters. Yeah, the Dark Knight trilogy as a whole, I think was mm-hmm. because you look at some of the, um, the like 80s, Batman movies. You think of, you know, Batman and Robin. Yeah, in the 90s, yeah. Batman Forever. Like, that kind of era of Batman was darker, but still... Yeah. A little bit of that comedic I mean, the fact that people... People said Batman and Robin, like, the actual actor said it felt like he was shooting a toy commercial. Well... That's a unique answer, because it's Batman and Robin. Yeah, Batman and Robin's a bad example, I think, because of, well... It's fair. Yeah. Let me ask you something after about that. Um, but, but we look at the Dark Knight and it really just, the Batman mm-hmm. Begins really changed it. Agreed. Because it was even, it was just this mo- edgy, dark tone, which people just love. I mean, mm-hmm. we're, we're guilty. We're definitely guilty. And anyone who likes certain anime, I mean, same thing. Dark, edgy characters. Yeah, I'm looking at you Tokyo Ghoul fans out there. It just, it sells. Dark edgy sells. I mean, look it at... It does. It does. Look at the Green Arrow in uh, Justice League, in movies, Justice League movies, in Smallville is always... And this is how I've always known Green Arrow, which was he does... He's like quippy. Kind of like yeah. Spider-Man-esque where he, he always just throwing out one-liners and doesn't seem like he's taking it quite as seriously... Which was he had a good. goatee for a while, like which was good because a lot of obviously the heroes in the DC world are a little on the edgier side, darker edgier side, side and serious. So it was cool to have like him and Flash, yep, comedic, kind of just throwing in a little bit more lightheartedness, yeah. And then we get Arrow, which nine. Let's, eight let's face it, it was just dark. Batman, but the Green Arrow. Batman, if he was what are you the talking Green about? Arrow. He never fought any of Batman's villains. He was just Batman if he was the Green Arrow. Pretty because much. wasn't it TV rights and stuff? There was never... Like, there was a lot of issues when Batman. it comes to rights, and then that's why they did the Gotham show yeah. to get around it and stuff. And But but then they brought Bruce Wayne in it later. It felt like they were running a Batman show, yeah. but they're like, how can we make get the essence of Batman? It was good for the but first couple seasons. Yeah, but, but I just mean yeah. it was definitely overly edgy. Yeah, and Arrow. I think that did definitely show in the comics later on too yeah um because i don't know how much you read of green arrow but i know so for those who know us and listen to the podcast we're new 52 fans um and there was the justice league comic and then green arrow didn't make the cut wasn't allowed to become part of the justice league they didn't want him there they thought he was two maybe it was two he got two volumes but what they did is they used that as inspiration to make the justice league of america which was amanda waller being like well green arrow you can lead the justice league of america and we're gonna make equivalent people that could take down the justice league in case anything ever goes wrong little did they know batman already had that cover exactly but it was a solid team it was like zatanna to take down wonder woman martian manhunter to take down superman like they had the equivalents which was interesting yeah, martian manhunter the guy that just needs fire yeah, so rankin just literally laser beam the ground Oof. such an intense <laughs> sorry i'm thinking of an injustice comic something like that happens spoiler um superman. heat vision oh look at that there's a fire burned wonder woman <laughs> anyways anyways um so another big one too and um there's two big ones we'll do the second one first before we go back to the big big one and an evolution of a character which i mean if you played well if you know anything about the batman origins not the game but like in general of characters um is the second robin jason todd um who got became robin because he was stealing the hubcaps off of the batmobile and that's how batman found him yep this Different was, style of Robin yeah, already. Angsty. In, in comparison to Dick. Yeah, and I think it was Batman was just coming off of Dick leaving and everything, and he wanted another companion, so he comes up to Jason Todd. And the thing about Jason Todd is that no one was really a big fan of him in the comics. Well, because he was compared to Dick Ray, which is... Exactly. Yeah, honestly, the, the comparison is so funny because fans didn't like him because he wasn't Dick Grayson. But also, when you think of how Batman's partnership with Jason Todd through all of comics 
is always been compared yeah to Dick Grayson. You're living in the shadows. And he's like, oh, I won't even in some some portrayals of the character, it's I'm not Dick. I'm not yeah. ever gonna be Dick Grayson. Like, I'm sorry. Exactly. And it's just funny because that is exactly how the fan base felt the exact same way. The fan base was Bruce. It was close though. It's it was Bruce close. Wayne. Fan base is Bruce Wayne, and they're just like, you know what? Like, eh. Yeah. But you're not Dick Grayson. Exactly. And he's trying to defend himself and be a hero. Exactly. And the way they dealt and with they this. They voted to kill him. They voted to kill him. So this is taken off a Wikipedia page. So I don't want to mess anything up here. So there was a vote system set up. And a vote was set up in the four part story, A Death in the Family. Phenomenal story. You can watch the movie Batman Under the Red Hood to give the full experience. Or you can read it. Or you can read it. Um, so yeah, Death in the Family that was published in Batman issues 426 to 429 in 1988. And at the end of Batman issue 427, Jason Todd was beaten by the Joker using a crowbar and left to die in an explosion. The animation is actually really good for this, from what I can remember. Are you talking about the movie? Yeah. Yeah, the movie's fantastic. Yeah. Um, now, the inside back cover of this issue listed uh, basically two 1-800 numbers. Not 1-800, 1-900 numbers. You had to call in. And the readers could call to vote for the character's death or survival. Basically, it was in the voters' hands if Jason Todd was going to die or survive. And within 36 hours of allowing to vote, the poll received 10,614 votes. How many votes do you think something like that would get now with the power of the internet? Because this is calling in. Oh, thousands You would have, you would have had thousands. to be a passionate fan. Do you remember how, like, when Kishimoto was doing the thing of like who he was going to write about and they had like that top tier oh, yeah. 100 Naruto character list? I was also thinking of the the One Piece. The uh, They did the massive uh, popularity poll. Like, yeah. The, the crazy huge one that they did what was that two years yeah. ago ish and even like they do with pokemon too they right? had they had so many votes they were able to separate it per continent which is insane they're like this is the top 100 characters in one piece via north america australia and going through and then obviously worldwide yeah but the fact that they had that many votes is insane so i can only in the comics 80s. obviously is not as no offense but it's not as big as one piece no i just it's so much more westernized like Western popularity, yeah. but when we're talking about a Batman sidekick, million votes, I don't feel Not like really. is out of question. Out of Not the, nowadays, no. With the, the power of the internet, all yeah. you got to do is submit an answer. Easy peasy. Out of the realm of possibility. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, yeah, so within 36 hours, Paul received 10,614 votes and the verdict in favor of the character's death won by only 72 votes. She was close. So you had so not everyone hated Jason exactly. Todd after all. just five thousand three hundred forty-three people died. Not enough to, see him, die. <laughs> not enough to exactly. see him die at least. But he died. He, he, he died. died. He died for a hot minute there. Yeah, he died. For and a hot then minute. they introduced the new villain, anti-hero-esque style character in the comics under the name of Red. Oh, I thought you were gonna say the Lazarus Pits thing. I don't want to get into the. <laughs> that's too much. We could have a whole episode discussing. Oh, but then the, the Lazarus, the fundamentals of up. Gotham City and Rachel Ghoul in the Court of Owls. Isn't that just the comics though? Just. Oh, we need to we need to max revive. <laughs> Do we have max revive? <laughs> DC's got the Lazarus Pit. Marvel's got time travel. That's how Pokemon's they fix got their max issue. Revive. Exactly. Um, but yeah, so and then obviously yeah, he came back as Red Hood. Red Hood, which and was, was a pissed, angry, angsty boy, angsty, angry, upset, couldn't handle his emotions. Boy, yep. Also unstable because of. A little couple things. The pit here. is not. Yeah, not a stable. Apparently, isn't good for your health. Imagine that, eh? Apparently, imagine that. I guess if you're like dead <laughs> and you get brought back to life via stuff, it's not good. Which, if you watched Arrow, it's also an Arrow because Arrow is basically Batman. Yep. Um, Arrow, Batman. Arrow, Batman. Batman, Arrow. But yeah, the bad Arrow. So, I would say Jason was relatable in terms of he was mad that. Joker killed him. I, Obviously, I would be probably sucks. Mad I'd probably be mad if someone died too. You know, but he was upset that the Joker was still alive. Mm -hmm. That the Joker, the Joker has done a lot of bad things, but he and he's obviously crossed the line. I'm talking in relation to comics. Yeah, obviously, murder, no matter what, is bad. But in terms of what the Joker has done, murder is just like an average day for the guy. So. He never severely crossed the line in terms of emotionally hurting Batman. 
right? I think that's fair to say. Yeah. And killing Jason for Jason, he would have thought that that that's the last straw. He's he wanted to piss off Batman. He wanted but to. That, see that was side. still not enough for Batman to break his code, and that's why Jason was like, "F you." I'm going to go handle Gotham my way because you're not doing it. And one of the crazy things with the Red Hood is he used guns. And he'd be killing people. Hardcore kill people. Akimbo style. (laughs) And it's complicated because he does end up joining the Bat family again. Mm -hmm. And he uses rubber bullets. But then the classic thing is he always ends up like off off the rubber bullets back to regular bullets yeah. is like, you know there's been a lot of things that happened to him you know but i would say it was a very interesting handling of robin which leads us into our last and final one which is dick grayson's evolution completely different styles of the way they changed correct both robins both can't live up to what bruce demands Wants. and we have one who ends up having to die to just realize that it still wouldn't affect Bruce. Even though it did. We know it did, but not that Bruce would ever say it or show it to... Of course not. Because We're all a little Batman. Heaven forbid you have communication with anyone or say you love them or care about them. <laughs> <laughs> but It's getting a little too real right now, man. But uh, he, he obviously went down a very different path mm-hmm. than Dick, obviously because of different circumstances, but... Yeah, so obviously Dick Grayson started off before even Robin. He was just a just trapeze boy. Yeah, for go, let's go full. We'll like, just leave out New 52 kind of, you know, technically Dick Grayson was always said. I don't know. We won't yeah. follow that. Great mythos, but we're going to keep yeah, that separate. We'll keep that separate for now. Which, yeah, just living his life. Actually had two loving parents. Rip. Who got killed. Murdered. And yep. uh, then Bruce sees himself. In this person. Yeah. That's why he takes dick in. Totally different. <laughs> he takes that dick in. <laughs> I know what I said. <laughs> so Episode sorry. 69. I know what I said. Anyways, he takes a young Richard in. <laughs> okay, continue. <laughs> that's just like Okay, so he I takes found, the dick that's in. That's like beauty. And... I found the cold open. <laughs> yep, that's exactly what I'm thinking, actually. <laughs> and uh, so he, he sees young Bruce, basically. Whereas Jason, he does not see that. I feel like that's kind of why he picks Jason also mm-hmm. is he doesn't want another. I didn't work out by finding someone like me. Yeah. And the problem is Dick Grayson wasn't Bruce. I would say he handled his parents' death a little bit more grace, gracefully. Gracefully. Yeah. Let's go with that. Like it's not. It obviously still affects Dick Grayson to. Just not to the same extent. Bruce, it's it's this forever chip on his shoulder, right? Where Dick Grayson accepts that his parents passed, like did die, and yes, they were killed, but he kind of accepts, like I'm just gonna do my part to make the world a better place. Where Bruce acts like that's his mission, but he's just that scared kid that was not able to save his parents in his eyes, right? Exactly. And then putting on all that pressure of basically thinking Dick is himself pushes him away and he pushes him to become basically, I'm not going to say anti-Batman, but kind of in a way that is what Dick Grayson wants to be. He doesn't want to be Batman's psychic. He doesn't want to be... He He wants to be his own. He didn't want to be that link to Bruce anymore. And you see that in stories like when the Titans first start off and Dick is leading the Teen Titans and it's kind of already the start of his own thing. But you really start to see it when he totally drops Robin. Drops the mantle of Robin. And becomes Nightwing. Leaves Gotham. Has a city of his own that he's trying to watch over. Which is Bloodhaven. And I just, although in some really ugly costumes... As soon as you said that, I meant I like his flashback just yeah. to the OG, yeah, bad, weird, trappy looking. Just, tra- I mean, yeah. fitting for the character, but ugly. Also, during the time, it made sense, but but ugly. 
Yeah, not good. Looking back, do you not like, good. Do you like red. the red or the blue? I prefer the red. No, I think the blue's the... I think the blue's just iconic. The blue's iconic for sure, but I, the red for me, I think... I mean, it was a good... Like, it's during well, our Well, I mean, like time. you said, I like the black and red. I like the black and red. I, I don't know. Black and red costumes are some of my favorites. But uh, personally, Dick, Dick Grayson is one of my favorite characters, Nightwing, etc. And I just think we see him... He has such an interesting maturity because you don't see a lot of that growth and a lot of, it's not manga. We've talked about Mm -hmm. this before where stories and comics are hard because so many people are, are taking on this character and telling it in their own way, which can both be really great because we do get stories told by amazing writers and seeing different people's view on how to, how to write that character is really cool. But something like one piece where it's just this one mind working on this whole story. Universe. It's, it's a lot. It just feels more controlled and fluid because yeah. it's that same mind that's working through it. But we do see this amazing development of Dick Grayson pushing away from Bruce and realizing while he is pushed away, he realizes, you know what? I don't want to be uh, like a uh, part of Bruce, but then he realizes Bruce needs him. Yep. It was never a matter of, and that's why I think Dick Grayson is such a good character is he's so selfless. He realizes that, you know what? Bruce needs me more than I need to be away from Bruce. And you have moments where when Bruce leaves or dies. Disappears or through time, something. And there's the whole battle for the cow story. And yep. Dick Grayson takes on being Batman for a moment in time. And I think that was also a massive thing for his character seeing how batman how batman perceives gotham but also how people see bruce yep. right they don't know that it's a different person and he gets to see how he's how bruce Betrayed, lives his life i guess yeah and then he becomes obviously bruce does end up coming you can't have such a big character gone exactly too long. but i just think there's so many cool stories well even like i know you didn't want to mention this but even Going back to New 52, like Nightwing had his own run for five volumes, which all so five good. are solid volumes. The Not a myth- biggest fan of Grayson. No, that one was felt kind but of flawed. The choice of of Dick Grayson being the uh, the emotional hit for Forever Evil just goes to show how popular and loved he is yeah. because that was a big impactful character. But even like we talk about the Court of Owls too and like, the fact that Scott Snyder, brought, it was 2011, he brought such a big new mythos to not just Batman, not just to Gotham, but also to Nightwing. Like Nightwing and the Bat family. The b- whole, whole Bat family was directly affected of the Court of Owls, the death of the family. Yeah, I think of death of the family, and I think of that that one panel where they're all together. At the table. At the table, yeah. Phenomenal. It was really, really well written. You guys have to check it out if you haven't. Honestly, the whole run is unreal. But yeah, the predestined. I'm not as big of a fan of the predestined, but I will say it was a huge twist. But it was written well. Yeah, it was It was just a huge twist to the character. But throughout different uh, shows, etc., we see it in Young Justice is another way where we see that kind of butting heads of Bruce via... Uh, Dick Grayson. We see it in the live action Titans show yep. of how they also butt heads and they just, that separation. But at the end of the day, Bruce and Dick Grayson, they definitely still have an understanding of one another where Bruce is always there for him and Dick Grayson's always going to be there for Bruce. Exactly. They really are. They're dynamic Bruce duo. Is not, Bruce is, may not be Dick Grayson's dad, but he is definitely a, a good father figure it's hard to say i don't want to say father figure but like a, I, I a mentor. mentor 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 is the yeah. he's guardian because he's not a good dad no he's a terrible father <laughs> he's a terrible dad <laughs> just ask his actual son damien yeah but yeah i think they really are the dynamic mm. duo and although they butt heads they definitely still are always yeah. there for one another which is nice to see another big one too that's not on the list we made but i feel like definitely needs to be mentioned a little bit because it's sometimes compared to the batman and robin duo is uh, Captain America and Bucky Barnes. Oh, yes, yes. Because that is also a big character development, similar in the way Jason Todd is, where we think Bucky Barnes died, and then... Slightly different. Slightly different, 
but he was still of, a villain. Like he came back as the Winter Soldier in that whole brainwashing ordeal. Will brainwashing will do that. Lazarus Pit will do that to you. Um, well, it was Lazarus plus yeah, his mental dying state. and yeah. you know the guy that you're supposed to who's supposed to have your back, not giving a in his eyes, not mm-hmm. giving a crap that he died. But yeah, I see. What and you're we can go other examples of just different characters developing into their own, depending. Like if you want to go villain to hero, yeah. like, it feels like in comics you just have to hit a certain popularity, and they're like, "Can you hold your own story?" Exactly. If yes, congratulations, you get <laughs> you get a lot more development. Now. Exactly. <laughs> Pretty much, honestly. <laughs> Um, before I wrap up, I have a question for you, Connor, that I thought about earlier and I was going to say to mention this is, um, you've seen all four of the original Batman movies, like Batman, Batman, be- not Batman Begins, uh, Batman Forever, Batman Robin, Batman Returns. That's yep. the one I'm thinking of. Which one do you think is the worst one of those four movies? It's a tough one. Cause you have like the great, you know, Michael Keaton's in the first one with Jack Which Nicholson as a Joker. Solid. Second one, you have Michelle Pfeiffer, and you have Penguin, Dan DeVito, and you have uh, Catwoman. And then you get the other two. Yeah, the other two. You get Jim Carrey, Tommy Lee Jones, with Val Kimmer as Batman. I don't think Val Kimmer was a bad... I don't think so either. And then you get Batman and Robin, which is the Mr. Freeze, Poison Ivy, Bane with George Clooney. Yeah, that's the worst one. See, I disagree. No, you don't disagree, though, because there's just no redeeming factor from the movie. In comparison to the to the former. Tell me a quote from Batman Forever. Tell you a quote? Yeah. I don't know. Tell me a quote from Batman and Robin. I'm I don't know, some probably some Arnold Schwarzenegger, Mr. Freeze. Exactly <laughs> my point. To Just me, because you can remember how cringe bad something was doesn't mean it's good. But I will I will rewatch Batman Batman and Robin all the time. The thing Batman I get Forever, one, don't care. Too many villains, I think, is one that I agree. DC always screws that up in movies. No. Look at Spider Man. I said DC. DC is yet you to said make DC a... always ruins it, but look at Amazing Spider Man. I know. Spider Man can Spider-Man do 3. it. <laughs> I agree. Okay. Marvel, so Marvel do definitely it. does it too. Early early on. Early on. They've done a lot better. That's now. Sony, not. Yeah, exactly. Sony, not Marvel. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, but the issue is one, the handling of Bane. That's fair. You know what? Let's flip the question. Which Batman movie do you enjoy the least? <laughs> Because Batman Robin is so bad and it's cringy and I love it. The costume it. design. Cringy is the bat nipples, the bat credit card. Yeah, Ice yeah. to meet you, Batman. It's freaking great. Is it great, though? To me, it's freaking hysterical and I love it. I don't think Poison Ivy was great, but somehow she was the best villain. <laughs> oh, Uma Thurman. <laughs> somehow Ooh. she was the best. I mean, you're not wrong, though. I remember a lot more from that movie. I remember the iconic scene where Robin kisses. Is it Robin who kisses her and he takes yeah, off the Yeah, the fake lip. lips. And you're like... <laughs> you're like... I don't know if that really makes sense, but Was okay. it Elisa Silverstone who played Batgirl? Because that was Batgirl yeah. in live action too. And it was weird. There was some at the bat skates <laughs> when they're playing hockey yeah. with the diamonds. No, I think that might be the worst. You think it's the worst one? I don't know. I just don't think. Memorable. That's what I mean. Like, Because I don't remember too much about Batman Forever other than Drew Barrymore being a supporting actress in it that a lot of people don't even know. She was playing the good side of Two-Face's she was playing the angel-esque character. You didn't like Jim Carrey as the Riddler? I didn't think he was bad, but he was just... The problem is it was such a time where Batman was not as serious, right? Exactly. Because you look at a... If we were to get a Riddler movie now... We did. Well, we did. We, we did. just we did. Batman did. In the yeah. yeah. Exactly. It's, it's the so new Batman, much different. The Batman, yeah. Not that, but, like, eccentric... No. Crazy... Riddler. Yeah. Well, yeah. Definitely more memorable. We can definitely yeah. say that, but I don't think it was. To me, it's way, better than Batman. I don't forever. think in any way it's good. We'll have to watch them. We'll come. We'll let us know what your favorite old Batman movie is. There's like I can't remember the throwaway line, but he. I don't know if you know this. He calls himself Nightwing for a second in the movie. Oh, I let me must let have me. been a throwaway line. Just kidding. I'll find it off, but I'm. I'll throw it in the Discord if I can find it. You'll throw oh, it in God. the Discord. Oh gosh, which is a uh, poison kiss. Yeah. Oh God. <laughs> Which, if you haven't already, join us on Discord. Link will be in the description. We'll have the link tree, which is a way to follow all of us on Instagram and our YouTube and Discord, where we even have a spot for you guys to ask questions, which, come to think of it, we haven't answered in a while. So make sure to ask some questions in the question corner in the Discord, and we will answer them when we can on the podcast. Heck yeah. But yeah, this has been a fun, more comic-centric. It feels like we haven't really we had haven't a hard, had, no, hardcore no, hard comic minute, one yeah, recently, yeah. so... 
Hardcore on 69. Heck nice. yeah. Yeah, and Bruce taking some dick. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, thanks for listening for the first 69 episodes. We'll see you next week for episode 70. Yep. See you so guys long. next week. Bye. Bye. The Nerdy Misfit Podcast. Don't forget to join the island by dropping a follow. Thank you. Thank and you. see you next week.